Chapter Fourteen of the Swordmaker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Swordmaker by Robert Barr. Chapter Fourteen: The Prisoner of Ehrenfels. There is inspiration in the sight of armed men marching steadily together, men well-disciplined, keeping step to the measured clank of their armor. Like a great serpent, the soldiers of Cologne issued from the forest, coming down two and two, for the path was narrow. They would march four abreast when they reached the river road, and the evolutions which accomplished this doubling of the columns without changing step or causing confusion called forth praise from the two southern archbishops a beautiful tableau of amity and brotherly love was presented to the troops as they looked up at the three archbishops standing together on the balcony in relief against the gray walls of the castle the officers who were on horseback raised their swords sky pointing from their helmets for they recognized their overlord and his two notable confreres. With the motion of one man, the three archbishops acknowledged the salute. The troops cheered and cheered as the anaconda made its sinuous way down the mountainside, and company after company came abreast the castle. The archbishops stood there until the last man disappeared down the river road on his way to Koblenz, may i ask you said mayence addressing trev to conduct me to the flat roof of your castle will you accompany us he inquired of cologne cologne and trev being for once in agreement the latter led the way and presently the three stood on the broad stone plateau which afforded a truly striking panorama of the rhine the july sun sinking in the west transformed the river into a crimson flood and at that height the cool evening breeze was delicious cologne stood with one hand on the parapet and gazed entranced at the scene but the practical mayence paid no attention whatever to it your troublesome guest trev has one more request to make which is that you order his flag hoisted to the top of that pole Trev at once departed to give this command, while Cologne, with clouded brow, turned from his appreciation of the view. My lord, he said, you have requested the raising of a signal. Yes, was the reply. A signal which calls you men from the land to the landing at Stolzenfels? Yes, repeated Mayence my lord i have kept my promise not only to the letter but in the spirit as well my troops are marching peaceably away and will reach their barracks some time to-morrow although i exacted no promise from you you implied there was a truce between us and that your army like my company was not to be called into action of any kind your understanding of our pact is concisely stated even though my share in that pact remained unspoken a truce did you say is it not more than that 
i hope that my seconding of the nomination you proposed proved me in complete accord with your views i am not in effect your prisoner then surely not so contrary to the fact is such an assumption that i implore you to accept my hospitality the signal which i see is now at the masthead calls for one barge only and that contains no soldier merely a captain and his ten stout rowers whom you may at this moment if you turn round see emerging from the mouth of the lawn i present to you and to the countess von sein my schloss of martinsburg for as long as you may require it it is well furnished well provisioned and attended to by a group of capable servants who are at your command i suggest that you cross in my barge in company with the countess and her kinsman the reverend father you agree i take it to convoy the lady safely to her temporary restraint in Fals. it was her own request you remember i shall convoy her thither i am trusting to you entirely the distance is but thirteen leagues and can be accomplished easily in a day once on the other side of the river she may dispatch her kinsman or some more trustworthy messenger to her own castle and thus summon the two waiting women who will share her seclusion is it your intention my lord that her imprisonment shall the archbishop of mayence held up his thin hand with a gesture of deprecation i use no word so harsh as imprisonment the penance if you wish so to characterize it is rather in the nature of a retreat giving her needed opportunity for reflection and i hope for regret nevertheless my lord your action seems to me unnecessarily severe how long do you propose to detain her i am pained to hear you term it severity for her treatment will be of the mildest description i thought you would understand that no other course was open to me so far as i am personally concerned she might have said what pleased her with no adverse consequences but she flouted the highest court of the realm and such contempt cannot be overlooked as for the duration of her discipline it will continue until the new emperor is married after which celebration the countess is free to go whither she pleases i shall myself call at faust four days from now that i may be satisfied the lady enjoys every comfort the castle affords and also perhaps to be certain she is there immured mayence's thin lips indulged in a wry smile i need no such assurance he said since my lord of cologne has pledged his word to see that the order of the court is carried out the conversation was here interrupted by the return of trev already the great barge was halfway across the river the surging swift current swept it some distance below Stosenfels, and the rowers five aside were working strenuously to force it into slower waters. Lord, Lady, and Monk crossed over to the mouth of the land, and the barge returned immediately to convey cross horses and escort. 
as the valley of the lawn opened out it presented a picture of quiet sylvan beauty apparently uninhabited by any living thing the archbishop of cologne rose on shading his eyes from the still radiant sun gazed intently up the little river no floating craft was anywhere in sight he turned to the captain where is the flotilla from mayence he asked flotilla my lord yes a hundred barges sailed down from mayence in the darkness either last night or the night before taking harbor here in the lawn my lord even one barge manned as this is could not have journeyed such a distance in so short a time and indeed for a flotilla to attempt the voyage except in daylight would have been impossible no barges have come down the rhine for months and had they ventured the little lawn is too shallow to harbor them thank you captain i appear to be ignorant both of the history and the geography of this district if i were to ask you and your stout voice to take me down through the swiftest part of the river to koblenz how soon would we reach that town very speedily my lord but i could undertake no such voyage except at the command of my master he is not one to be disobeyed i quite credit that said cologne sitting down again the momentary desire to recall his marching troops that had arisen when he saw the empty lawn dying down when he realized how effectually he had been outwitted when the horses were brought across father ambrose at the request of the countess rode back to seine and sent forward the two waiting women whom she required and so well did he accomplish his task that they arrived at schloss martinsburg before ten of the clock that night at an early hour next morning the little procession began its journey up the rhine his lordship and the countess in front the six horsemen bringing up the rear the lady was in a mood of deep dejection the regret which mayence had anticipated as a result of imprisonment already enveloped her it was only too evident that the archbishop of cologne was bitterly disappointed for he rode silently by her side making no attempt at conversation they rested for several hours during midday arriving at cobb before the red sunset and now the countess saw her pinnacled prison lying like an anchored ship in midstream at cobb they were met by a bearded truculent-looking ruffian who introduced himself to the archbishop as the falsegraf von stalick you take us rather by surprise prince of cologne he said it is true that my overlord the archbishop of mayence called upon me several days ago while descending the rhine in his ten-oared barge and said there was a remote chance that a prisoner might shortly be given into my care this had often happened before for my castle covers some gruesome cells that extend under the river cells with secret entrances not easily come by should anyone search the castle it is sometimes convenient that a prisoner of state should be immured in one of them when the archbishop has no room in his own schloss erinfels 
so i paid little attention and merely said the prisoner would receive a welcome on arrival this morning there came one of the archbishop's men from stolzenfels and both my wife and myself were astonished to learn that the prisoner would be here this evening under your escort my lord and that it was a woman we were to harbour further she was to be given the best suite of rooms we had in the castle and to be treated with all respect as a person of rank now this apartment is in no state of readiness to receive such a lady much less to house one of the dignity of your lordship it does not matter for me replied the archbishop being as i may say hot soldier the bed on board of an inn is quite acceptable upon occasion oh no your highness such a hardship is not to be thought of the castle of guttenfels standing above us is comfortable as any on the rhine its owner the count palatine is fellow elector of yours and a very close friend of my overlord of mayence and i am told they vote together whenever my overlord needs his assistance that is true commented cologne my overlord sent word that anything i needed for the accommodation of her ladyship he recognizing that my warning had been short i should requisition from the count palatine so at midday i went up to call upon him not saying anything of course about state prisoners male or female the moment he heard that you my lord were visiting this neighborhood he begged me to tender to you and to all your companions or following the hospitality of his castle for so long as you might honor him with your presence the count palatine is very gracious and i shall be glad to accept shelter on refreshment he would have been here to greet your highness but i was unable to inform him at what hour you would arrive so i waited for you myself and will be pleased to guide you to the gates of guttenfels the conversation was interrupted by a great clatter of galloping horses descending the hill with reckless speed and at its foot swinging round into the main street of the town ha cried the amateur jailer here is the count palatine himself and thus it is our fate to meet the fourth elector of the empire who added to the three archbishops formed a quorum so potent that it could elect or depose an emperor at will the cavalry of the count palatine was composed of fifty fully armed men on their gallop through the town roused the echoes of that ancient ballywick which together with the castle belonged to the palatinate the powerful noble extended a cordial welcome to his fellow elector and together they mounted to the castle of guttenfels at dinner that night the count palatine proved an amiable host under his geniality the charming countess von Sein gradually recovered her lost good spirits and forgot she was on her way to prison after all she was young naturally joyous and loved interesting company especially that of the two electors who were well informed and had seen much of the world the archbishop also shook off some of his somberness indeed all of it as the flagons flowed 
being asked his preference in wine he replied that yesterday he had been regaled with a very excellent sample of Oberwessler. that is from this neighbourhood replied the count Oberwessel lies but a very short distance below on the opposite side of the river but we contend that our beverage of cob is at least equal and sometimes superior you shall try a good vintage of both how did you come by Oberwessler so far north as Stausenfels? Simply because I was so forward, counting on the good nature of my friend of Treve, that I stipulated for Oberwessler. Ah, I am anxious to know why. For reasons of history, not of the palate, a fair English princess was guest at Stausenfels long ago, and this wine was served to her in that case returned the count i also shall fall back on history on first order brimming tankards of old cob really madame he said turning to hildegund we should have had royalty here to meet you instead of two old wine bibbers like his highness and myself the girl looked startled at this mention of royalty bringing to her mind the turbulent events of yesterday nevertheless with great composure she smiled at her enthusiastic host still went on the count if we are not royal ourselves tis a degree we are empowered to confer and indeed may be very shortly called upon to bestow that is true from what i hear is it not your highness yes replied the archbishop gravely well as i was about to say this castle belonged to the falkensteins and was sold by them to the palatinate rumor legend history call it what you like asserts that the most beautiful woman ever born on the rhine was countess beatrice of falkenstein but when i drink to the toast i am about to offer i shall madam he smiled at hildegund assert that the legend no longer holds a contention i am prepared to maintain by mortal combat know then that the earl of cornwall who was elected king of germany in twelve fifty seven met beatrice of falkenstein in this castle the meeting was brought about by the electors themselves who stupid matchmakers attempted to coerce each into a marriage with the other beatrice refused to marry a foreigner the chronicles are a little vague about the most interesting part of the negotiations but minutely plain about the outcome in some manner the earl and beatrice met and he became instantly enamoured of her this is the portion so deplorably slurred by these old monkish writers i need hardly tell you that the earl himself succeeded where the seven electors failed beatrice became cornwall's wife and queen of germany and they lived happily ever afterwards i give you the toast cried the chivalrous count palatine rising to the cherished memory of the royal lovers of gutenfels the archbishop's eyes twinkled as he looked across the table at hildegund this seems to be a time of royal betrothals he said raising his flagon seems is the right word guardian replied the countess 
then she sipped the ancient wine of cob next morning hildegund was early afoot notwithstanding her trouble of mind she had slept well and awakened with the birds so great is the influence of youth and health during her last conscious moment the night before as she lay in the stately bed of the most noble room the castle contained she bitterly accused herself for the disastrous failure of the previous day the archbishop of cologne had given her good counsel that was not followed and his disappointment with the result generously as he endeavored to conceal it was doubtless the deeper because undiscussed thinking of coming captivity a dream of grim false was expected but instead the girl's spirit wandered through the sweet seclusion of nunninworth living again that happy earlier time free from politics on the tramp of armed men in the morning the porter at her behest withdrew bolt bar on chain allowing exit into the fresh cool air on skirting the castle she arrived at a broad terrace which fronted it a fleecy mist extending from shore to shore concealed the waters of the rhine and partially obliterated the little village of cobb at the foot of the hill where she stood the air was crystal clear and she seemed to be looking out on a broad snowfield of purest white beyond cobb its surface was pierced by the dozen sharp pinnacles of her future prison looking like a bed of spikes upon which one might imagine a giant martyr impaled by the verdict of a cruel archbishop gazing upon this nightmare castle whose tusks alone were revealed the girl formulated the resolution but faintly suggested the night before on her release should ensue an abandonment of the world on the adoption of a nun's veil in the convent opposite drachenfels and island exchanged for an island turmoil for peace at breakfast she met again the jovial count palatine and her more sober guardian who both complimented her on the results of her beauty rest the one with great gallantry the other with more reserved as befitted a churchman the archbishop seemed old and haggard in the morning light and it was not difficult to guess that no beauty sleep had soothed his pillow it wrung the girl's heart to look at him and again she accused herself for lack of all tact and discretion wishing that her guardian took his disappointment more vengefully setting her to some detested task that she might willingly perform the hospitable count eager that they should stop at least another night under his roof pressed his invitation upon them and the archbishop gave a tacit consent if the countess is not too tired said cologne i propose that she accompany me on a little journey i have in view farther up the river we will return here in the evening i should be delighted cried hildegund for all sense of fatigue has been swept away by a most restful night the good-natured count left them to their own devices and shortly afterwards guardian and ward rode together down the steep declivity to the river 
the mist was already driven away except a wisp here and there clinging to the gray surface of the water trailing along as if drawn by the current for the air was motionless and there was promise of a sultry day they proceeded in silence until a bend in the rhine shut cobb and its sinister water prison out of sight and then it was the girl who spoke guardian she said have i offended you beyond forgiveness a gentle smile came to his lips as he gazed upon her with affection you have not offended me at all my dear he said but i am grieved at thwarting circumstance i have been thinking over circumstances too and hold myself solely to blame for their baffling opposition i will submit without demur to whatever length of imprisonment may please and if possible soften the archbishop of mayence after my release i shall ask your consent that i may forthwith join the sisterhood at nunnenworth i wish to divide my wealth equally between yourself and the convent the archbishop shook his head i could not accept such donation why not the former archbishop of cologne accepted lint from my ancestress matilda that was intended to be but a temporary loan well call my benefaction temporary if you like to be kept until i call for it but meanwhile to be used at your discretion it is quite impossible said the archbishop firmly does that mean you will not allow me to adopt the religious life it means my child that i should not feel justified in permitting this renunciation of the world until you knew more of what you are giving up i know enough already you think so but your experience of it is too recent for us to expect unbiased judgment this morning i should insist on a year at least and preferably two years part of that time to be spent in frankfurt and in cologne i anticipate a great improvement in frankfurt when the new emperor comes to the throne if at the end of two years you are still of the same mind i shall offer no further opposition i shall never change my intention perhaps not i am told that the determination of a woman is irrevocable so a little delay does not much matter meanwhile another problem passes my comprehension i have thought and thought about it and am convinced there is a misunderstanding somewhere which possibly will be cleared away too late i am quite certain that father ambrose did not meet prince roland in frankfort do you then dispute the word of father ambrose asked the girl quickly checking the accent of indignation that arose in her voice for humility was to be her role ever after father ambrose is at once both the gentlest and most truthful of men he has undoubtedly seen somebody rob a merchant in frankfurt he has undoubtedly been imprisoned among wine casks but that this thief and this jailer was roland is incredible to me who know the young man unphysically impossible for prince roland at that time was himself a prisoner as indeed he is today 
Prince Roland cannot be liberated from Ehrenfels without an order signed by Mayence, Treff, and myself. I alone have not the power to encompass his freedom, and Mayence is equally powerless although he is owner of the castle. Some scoundrel is walking the streets of Frankfurt pretending to be Roland. In that case, my lord, he would not deny his identity when accosted on the bridge. A very clever point, my dear, but it does not overcome my difficulty. There might be a dozen reasons why the rascal would not incriminate himself to any stranger who thus took him by surprise. However, it is useless to argue the question, for I persuade you as little as you persuade me. The practical thing is to fathom the misunderstanding and remove it. Will you assist me in this? Willingly, if I can, guardian. Very well. I must first inform you that your imprisonment is likely to be very short. You are to know that the harmony supposed to exist in Stolzenfels is largely mythical. I left behind me the seeds of discord. I proposed that the glum niece of Trev, whom you met at our historic lunch, should be the future empress. This nomination was seconded by Mayence himself and received with unconcealed joy by my brother of Trev. Then for once the court was unanimous. I think your choice an admirable one. The Archbishop of Mayence does not agree with you, my dear. Then why did he second your nomination? Because he is so much more clever than Trev, who a few minutes later would have been the seconder. Why should his lordship of Mayence think one thing and act another? Why is he always doing it? No one can guess what Mayence really thinks if he is judged by what he says. Where Trev needs to become empress, her uncle would speedily realize his power and Mayence would lose his leadership. Could Mayence today secretly promote you to the position of empress, he would gladly do so. But won't he at once look for someone else? Certainly. That choice is now occupying his mind. His seconding of the nomination was merely a ruse to gain time, but if he proposes anyone else, he will find both Trev and myself against him. His only hope of circumventing the ambition of Trev is that something may happen, causing you to change your mind concerning Prince Roland. You forget, guardian, protested the girl, that his lordship of Mayence said he would not permit me to marry Prince Roland after the way I had spoken and acted. He said that, my dear, under the influence of great resentment against you, but Mayence never allows resentment or any other feeling to stand in the way of his own interests. If you wrote him a contrite letter regretting your defiance of him and expressing your willingness to bow to his wishes, I am very sure he would welcome the communication as a happy solution of the quandary in which he finds himself. You wish me to do this, guardian? she asked wistfully. 
not until you are satisfied that prince roland is innocent of the charges you make against him how can i receive such assurance ah now you come to the object of this apparently purposeless journey i have had much experience in the world you are so anxious to renounce and although i have seen the wicked prosper for a time yet my faith has never been shaken in an overruling providence and what happened last night set me thinking so deeply that daylight stole in upon my meditations oh my poor guardian i knew you had not slept and all because of a worthless creature like myself and a wicked creature too for i did not see the hand of providence so visible to you surely my dear a moment's thought would reveal it to you remember how we came almost to the door of the prison when a temporary reprieve was handed to us by that coarse reprobate the false graph your suite of rooms was not yet ready and thus we found bestowed upon us another free day a day of untrammeled liberty quite unlooked for now much may be done in a day an empire has been lost and won within a few hours with this gift came a revelation that wine-blotched phosgraph would have shown no consideration for you to him a prisoner is a prisoner to be cast anywhere lock the door and have done but a wholesome fear had been instilled into him by his overlord the archbishop of mayence had taken thought for your comfort ordering that the best rooms in the castle should be placed at your disposal hence after all that had passed his lordship felt no malignancy against you and i dare say would have been glad to rescind the order for your imprisonment were it not that he would never admit defeat oh cardian what an imagination is yours i am sure his lordship of mayence will never forgive me his lordship of mayence my dear is in a dilemma from which no one except yourself can extricate him his own cleverness will extricate him perhaps still i'm not troubling about him my thoughts are much too selfish for that i wish you to lift me from my uncertainty you mean about prince roland i shall do whatever you ask of me i place no command but i proffer a suggestion it shall be a command nevertheless we have left your own prison far behind and are approaching that of prince roland to the door of that detaining castle i propose to lead you i am forbidden by my compact with the other electors to see prince roland or to hold any communication with him the custodian of the castle who knows me well will not refuse any request i make even if i ask to see the young man himself he will therefore not hesitate to admit you when i require him to do so to take away any taint of surreptitiousness about my action interfering as one might say with another man's house i shall this evening write to the archbishop of mayence tell him exactly what i have done and why 
do you intend then that i should see prince roland and talk with him yes my dear guardian cried the girl her face flushing red what on earth can i say to him how am i to excuse my intrusion a prisoner i fancy does not resent intrusion especially if the intruder is the old man smiled as he looked at the girl whose blush grew deeper and deeper then seeing her confusion he added there are many things to say introduce yourself as the ward of his lordship of cologne reveal that your guardian has confided to you that prince roland is to be the future emperor ask for some assurance from him that the property descending to you from your ancestors shall not be molested or perhaps better still with the same introduction tell him this story of father ambrose add that this has disquieted you demand the truth hearken to what the youth says for himself thank him and withdraw it needs no long conversation though i am prepared to hear that he wished to lengthen your stay i am certain that five minutes face to face with him will completely overturn all father ambrose has said to his disparagement and a few simple words from him will probably dispel the whole mystery if someone is personating him in frankfort it is more than likely he knows who it is they traveled a generous furlong together in silence the girl's head bowed and her brow troubled at last as if with an effort she cleared doubt away and raised her head i will do it she said decisively the archbishop heaved a deep sigh of relief he knew now he was out of the wood is this Asmanshausen we are coming to she asked as if to hint that the subject on which they had talked so earnestly was finally done with no this is lorch on that is the castle of nolik standing above it i hope said the girl with a sigh of weariness that no english princess about to marry an emperor lodged there or no englishman who was to become an emperor the archbishop interrupted the plaint with a hearty laugh the first he had enjoyed for several days the english seem an interfering race she went on i wish they would attend to their own affairs nolik is uncontaminated said the archbishop though in olden days a reckless knight on horseback rode up to secure his lady love and i believe rode down again with her and his route is still called the devil's ladder did the marriage turn out so badly no i believe they lived happily ever after but the ascent was so cliff-like that mountain sprites are supposed to have given their assistance how much farther is Asmanshausen? less than two leagues we will stop there and refresh ourselves are you tired oh no not in the least i merely wish the ordeal was past you are a brave girl hildegund i am anything but that guardian still do not fear i shall flinch after partaking of the midday meal at Asmanshausen, the countess proposed that they should leave their horses in the stable and walk the short third of a league to Ehrenfels, 
unto this her guardian agreed he found more difficulty with the custodian than had been expected the man objected trembling without a written order from his master he dare not allow anyone to visit the prisoner he would be delighted to oblige his lordship of cologne but he was merely a poor wretch who had no option in the matter very well said cologne i have just come from your master who is stopping with my brother trev at stosenfels if you persist i must then request lodgings from you until such time as a speedy messenger can bring your master hither this journey may cause him great inconvenience and should such be the case i fear you will fare ill with him that may be my lord but i must do my duty are you sure you have already done it on all occasions asked the archbishop severely the man's face became ghastly in its pallor i don't know what you mean my lord then i will quickly tell you what i mean it is rumored that prince roland has been seen on the streets of frankfort how how could that be my lord that is exactly what i wish to know i believe the prince is not in your custody i assure you my lord said the now thoroughly frightened man that his highness is in his room very well then conduct this lady thither although she does not know the prince a relative of hers who does asserts that he met his highness in frankfort i said this was impossible if you had done that duty you prayed so much about the lady merely wishes to ask him for some explanation of this affair so make your choice shall she go up with you now or must i send for the other two archbishops there was but one comforting phrase in this remark namely that the lady did not know the prince still it was a dreadful risk yet the custodian hesitated no longer he took down a bunch of keys and asked the countess to follow him ascending the stair he unlocked the door and stood aside for the countess to pass through some one with wildly tousled hair sat sprawling in a chair arms on the table and head sunk forward down upon them a full tankard of wine within his reach on the flagon had been overset sluicing the table with its contents which still fell drip 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 to the floor the young man raised his head aroused by the harsh unlocking of the door and with the crash it made as his father flung it hard against the stone wall for the purpose of giving him warning but the youth was in no condition to profit by this thoughtfulness nor to understand the signals his father made from behind the frightened girl he clutched wildly at the overturned flagon and with an oath cried bring me more wine you old staggering to his feet he threw the flagon wide then slipped on the spilled wine and fell heavily to the floor roaring defiance at the world the panic-stricken girl shrank back crying to the jailer let me out close the door quickly and lock it an order obeyed with alacrity when hildegund emerged to the court her guardian asked no question the horror in her face told all i am sorry my lord said the cringing custodian but his highness is drunk
Does this does this happen often? Alas, yes, my lord. Poor lad, poor lad. The sins of the father shall be visited on the children to the third and fourth generation. Hildegund, forgive me. Let us away and forget it all. The next morning, the countess began her imprisonment in false. End of chapter 14